This is an after school program podcast. Welcome to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast, where we explore what it's like building, running, and working out of a home studio with your hosts, Joshua Matatuck, Andrew Simmons, and many guests in different areas of the music industry. And welcome back to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Simmons. I'm here with my friend Brandon Oshouse from Steel House Mastering, a good friend. He's actually like 20 minutes away from me, but we're doing it over Zoom because I don't have uh, a multiple camera set up because Shama's out of town. He's in Africa, so he's got all of his cameras. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Brandon, thanks for coming to hang out with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Talk about stuff. Um, I think we've actually probably have known each other the longest out of like the group of people that we now know. Probably. I know when I moved to Greenville, you were the first person I ever met, like mm-hmm. in this whole city. Yeah. So, and then, uh, and even then, like I met you, I think we started talking like a little bit before you moved here because Bowman kind of connected us. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, yeah. And then you moved here because, uh, Mm -hmm. that was because of your wife's job, right? Correct. Yeah. Who I saw that she was killing it. Community journal. Yeah. Yeah. She is That's super proud of her. Yeah. That's super sick. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's dive right into you. Um, so let's start from the beginning. Who are you and where are you from? And how'd you get into music? Oh boy, where am I yeah. from? That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked it that way. <laughs> Dude, I've kind of yeah. I've uh I've honestly been like all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a military family. Um so I've spent time in Germany, Ohio, North Dakota, Pennsylvania, uh, eventually moved to Georgia. Um now I'm here. Greenville, South Carolina. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a long, interesting life. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Lots of traveling. That's a, you've seen a lot of, of America. Seen a lot. Yeah. So, I, honestly, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, I think, like, diversifying yourself, getting out there and seeing things outside of your own hometown. Mm-hmm is probably one of the better things anybody could do mm-hmm. for sure uh, yeah a lot of people i think not that there's anything wrong with being in a hometown your entire life mm-hmm. uh but there's def- definitely different perspectives and um you can increase just your knowledge of what's out there and relate to more people it's for sure well, I, that. I, I, like i think a good a good example of that is like i've lived here roughly my whole life mm-hmm. um i've always lived so i used to live in like the clemson area uh oh, in, okay in central yeah. outside of clemson a yeah. small one road town near mm-hmm. the near the lake called six a lot Mile. of those around here yeah exactly <laughs> So then I moved to uh, Easley, and then I went, and then when I left Easley, I ended up moving to Greenville, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I've been here technically my whole life, but like I've mm-hmm. traveled almost the majority of the country, and oh, like nice. a good bit outside the country. Yeah, um, and it's but, shockingly different. Yeah, it's super like, different. Like depending on where you go. Yeah, it's super yeah. different. But I think. I think I, I, you get a really interesting grasp on like getting outside of your area and not only are things very, very different, but also things are very much the same. That's true too. (laughs) There's a lot, there's a lot of like, I'll, I'll, I'll go through a town and be like, yo, this is literally Greenville. Yo, this is like Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma to me is like literally the the same place as Greenville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like there's some places in North Carolina and Georgia. Like I feel like Athens and like Chapel Hill have like the same energy to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But on on the other hand, like I've been to other places down south, like maybe just a few hours south of here. 
Mm-hmm. And like, this is entirely different from anything I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, uh, like going to like Wahala or some somewhere like that, or like if you've ever been out that far. I went to Colquitt, Georgia one time for a uh, uh, small trip, and mm-hmm. it was literally like going to Mayberry. That's crazy. Um, no, I mean, we, we drove for like 15 minutes just to find Wi-Fi. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could not survive here. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the beginning on how did you get into music in general? Let's like start like sure. a journey, yeah. Like yeah. quick story on how you got into music. Yeah. So um, I, I always grew up around music. Um like old classic hits, that kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. my parents were always into like oldies type stuff. Um, So that was most of my music, uh, like what I was exposed to that nineties country, Mm because who didn't grow up on that? If you were born in the nineties or early eighties or late eighties. I feel like Um, everybody born in the nineties was like, you did classic rock, you got old country and mm -hmm. you got like a version of, like in sync or the Backstreet Boys, right? <laughs> the whole the whole boy band era. <laughs> yeah, you got all three of those at one time. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, some point, I don't know. I was I was probably fourteen, fifteen years old. I started to take up an interest in like singing guitar players, and you know, I'm like, that looks cool. That looks fun to play. You know, people ripping solos and stuff. I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. So I told my parents, I said, hey, I want to play guitar. And they're like, okay, well, we're not going to buy you one because we don't know if you're going to stick with it. So here's your uncle's, I don't know, 20, 30-year-old acoustic. Learn on this. (laughs) Jeez. So Strings just like fully off the fretboard. No, no, no. It was actually, (laughs) it was in good shape and it was a decent guitar. Um, But, you know, as a teenager, I'm like, this is the most uncool yeah instrument like it's a guitar but it's not what i wanted i wanted to shred solos yeah um i'm like i'm not gonna do this on this yeah uh but anyways my parents told me they said if you stick with this when you turn 16 we'll buy you a guitar and that's what happened i stuck with it i did lessons for three and a half years and thus began my voyage into the never-ending journey (laughs) of music yeah how did um so you, you started me. So you basically were starting music around like, we'll say like 14. Uh, uh, yep. Ha, so what was your high school? I think I feel like a lot of people in high school have like, that's a big molding time for them as a music person, especially. People ah, that this end is up exciting. Doing you don't know this, do you? No, I probably not. That's why I wanted. I, yeah, there's like, so I, I was. Go ahead. I, okay. I was homeschooled, so I didn't have that high school experience. <laughs> I think I'm pretty normal mm-hmm. um, for someone in my situation. <laughs> but I, I did not. And you know what, dude? I seriously, uh, I, I felt like I missed out. Um, you know, band club and getting to socialize with other people with similar interests. I didn't, I didn't have that. Uh, experience um so yeah uh i guess uh well i mean the internet for a while so was that like and so i mean it's still it's still a good it's not even necessarily about going to high school it's about that time Mm -hmm. period in your life because i feel like that that time period in your life is like i so for example in my specific instance is like i remember high school because high school was when I learned guitar. I got super into jazz band, but I also got into like, like my chemical romance, fallout boy, oh, and right, like right, those right. kind of things that like shaped me as a person, like panic at the disco and stuff. And right. then it led me, but I also kind of got into more hip hop and I got in, mm-hmm. like started understanding pop music more. So it shaped yeah, it's a very, me as a person. Yeah. Very moldable time mm-hmm. in our lives. Yeah. Um, it seems like what we take in is what ultimately shapes us as adults. For sure. So um, yeah, as a, as a musician and like as a music person, like right. How that how did that mold you there? Okay. So yeah. Okay. I get what. Yeah. Great question. Um. 
So that started, since I got into guitar and stuff, um, mm-hmm. that started my curiosity with finding like guitar driven music, mm-hmm. uh, you know, awesome guitar players I could listen to. Uh, it wasn't too long before I started discovering people like Joe Satriani, um, uh, Neil Zaza, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Johnson, th- those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, and I got really down, like deep into that for a while, uh, discovering all their stuff, um, instrumental rock, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which, you know, further shaped me as a musician too, because I'm yeah. trying to learn to play their stuff. I feel like everybody um, goes through that phase as a guitar player where they're like, my favorites are the yeah. G3 guys, like Joe yeah. Satriani, <laughs> John Petrucci, Paul and Gilbert, Steve Vai, like those, like that crew, Paul Gilbert. I, I yeah. think. I think most of us grow out of it at some point. And I, I eventually did. Like, I respect those guys as players. Mm-hmm. They're phenomenal. But I don't listen to that stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, at the same time, I'm, I was listening to a lot of uh, Christian rock growing up in a religious household. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, my parents weren't really on board with that. But it's like, hey, it's guitar music, you know. It's yeah. stuff I want to listen to when they're talking about Jesus. So yep. it, it could be worse, I guess. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. And, and you know what, some of those bands, like I remember discovering Amberlin, they mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, introduced to me some, from some friends at the time and like 20 years later, has it been 20 years, 15 years, whatever it's been. Um, I'm still listening to those guys, oh, like, yeah. you know, and they shaped my guitar playing as a musician too. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like learning how to play all their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, still to this day, I'll, you know, put on blueprints for the black market and jam that album and classic I'm like, the first record the best yeah yeah most people don't reference the first record most people reference like cities or never cities is cool too yeah, yeah. yep but that's funny that you referenced all, the all first those, record all those early ones from them were so good yeah yeah it's dude that 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 was like their sweet spot for me after cities they kind of started losing me but yeah it's it's it was hit and miss but yeah, yeah. it's but it, i will say there was a record they put out uh vitals and it was it was really really good i was really that the one with it. the horse on I think it was, the no that was one with the f- there was one with the fingers oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that was a good one yeah, yeah, it looked like the paint on them on the tips yep. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yellow paint and all the rings. Yeah, yeah that one was yeah. that was a cool record. That was yeah. like I think that was their first record that they did like on a major. Oh, okay. Like I think they did that record on a major. It was either that one or there was another one. Um, but yeah, or it was yeah. either that one or Lowborn, which is where West the horse. Gets, which is where which is where West gets his oh, band name. Yeah, really. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where they got it from. But uh. It was one of those two records. They did it on a major, and then the record after that, they weren't on the major anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very cool. Just fun information for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that you go through high school at homeschooled, and yep. uh, your high school age range, and then how did you get from I'm playing guitar, I really like guitar players, to I want to get into music production because like. That's always an interesting jump for for me with people because everybody I feel like has it s- sometimes it's similar, but also some people have like wild reasons. Right. Um, so for me, it was just wanting to re- like write and record. I always had these. Um, I always had these big dreams. I'm like, I'm going to write a whole <laughs> record, you know, it's going to be solo guitar, even though I can't play awesome solos like all these people. I like I'm going to write a record like that. Mm-hmm. So I'd buy it you know, like a line six, what was it? UX one, whatever the small black recording box was at the time. And I would dabble with it. And then it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I sold it. Um, (laughs) And then I'd buy another one and same deal, you know, sold it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. Um, So I did that for a little while, like on and off. Um, Mm -hmm. And then eventually, uh, I started using, I think I got a Pretonus audio box. So it came with Studio One. And I don't know if it was just, a, I was in a different mindset, different frame of mind, mm-hmm. um, or if it was just the software was intuitive to me, whatever it was, it kind of clicked then. Mm-hmm. And then 
that's when uh, I kind of started going down like all the stuff to learn there, you know, buying books, watching YouTube videos. I'm like, oh, I want to learn more about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like, um, you know, m- using the software to manipulate sounds and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours of hundreds of hours of reading, research, watching videos, reading interviews, that kind of thing. So, and the, uh, and what what age range was this for you at this point? Uh, uh mid twenties. Mid twenties. Oh, okay. When yeah, I yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, when I yeah. actually got into it. Yeah, I think me and you started doing that around the same time, which is interesting. We may have because yeah. I feel like, and this is something, because I think I started when I was like twenty or twenty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like right where most people are like sophomore junior year of college probably mm-hmm. is like whenever I kind of started getting into it. Um, mm-hmm. But this is something that I have to tell Josh a lot because Josh is like the generation before or generation after us where mm-hmm. like he grew up with recording software being super accessible mm-hmm. and you could go to the shop and grab a Focusrite and get a copy of Cubase, Ableton, or Pro Tools mm-hmm. and at 14 and start producing immediately. Not not when I was a yeah. teenager. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I didn't even was, know I didn't even know that that was a thing that you could do. Mm-mm. I because I still remember recording to tape even when I was like 15. Yeah. So all the big studios that I can remember were either doing tape. Or they had the whole Pro, uh, Pro Tools HD systems, which is the only way at that point to record like a big. Band. And they were super, yeah, and they were super expensive. It was crazy. There was expensive. no two-channel in- for interface for you to have. Yeah, the, not an affordable one. I, the M Audio is the first one that I can remember. The one that you're talking about is the first one that I can personally remember. That's like that uh, was like a that was like a would be considered a prosumer product. W- was that the M box that kind of like stood up like this and it was blue and white? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. that. And that was like the first, like, I wouldn't even call it prosumer because mm-hmm. it wasn't quite that level. Cause it's not like an antelope or a UA or anything like that level. We're talking like yeah. that's the first iteration of what would be considered prosumer, quote unquote. Yeah. And right. it was still like worse than a Focusrite 2i2 is now. Mm hmm. <laughs> converters have uh come a very long way yeah. in a very short amount of time yeah they have yeah. technology is wild like that um but no I, I i have to tell him all the time it's like bro you're so lucky and like people a lot of people nowadays are super lucky to be able to have the ability to just go and start learning anything like youtube really wasn't even a thing then like how most no, people learn no, I- I remember when YouTube was new yeah. and my dad's like, Oh, check this out. You can type things in and watch a video on it. And I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it wasn't a normal part of life. It was but, something weird, like e-bombs world when yeah, that was new. Exactly. And also there wasn't like tutorials. Like that nope. wasn't a thing. Like tutorials weren't a thing. Nope. The only way you found tutorials was doing like going through like sound on sound or Mm -hmm. going through like internet forums yeah or or buying books or buying books yeah or buying books on them yeah but i mean as far as the freeway correct yeah Yeah. there was no like like the free knowledge aspect really didn't exist to the Mm -hmm. level it does now now it's incredible now yeah well now like so i've started getting in the last couple years i started to get into video editing um just Mm -hmm. for you know doing the podcast and doing right. my own youtube stuff and like i talked to shama he sent me he sent me like a copy of final cut that he had and then mm-hmm. five youtube videos i watched all five youtube videos and i can edit now like mm-hmm. that's how that's how quick and easy it is and it's the same in music stuff it's like you can yep. spend a couple hours plucking around on it on a ui and mm-hmm watching some youtube videos on how to do this and watch guys like on twitch stream like kenny beats or um a bunch of like rock and metal guys like uh my buddy like you know chris davis does like rock like mm-hmm. guitar stuff 
and yeah. you can watch guys like that on Twitch for free and like learn an infinite more yeah. knowledge yeah. and get super fast it's like being super quick right yeah it would be like going into a studio and you know watching somebody work mm-hmm. you know that was really really difficult to do 15 years ago it's really difficult to do now yeah yeah <laughs> well outside of yeah doing it on the internet yeah like via twitch or something yeah yeah exactly yeah. but like the fact that that's accessible now is wild yep. and for me. free yeah yeah, it's crazy and obviously mm-hmm. you have like paid courses and stuff like that as well right. which can go even deeper the fact that something like nail the mix or like mix with the masters exists and you can mm-hmm. go and sit down with people that mix these huge songs relative to your genre mm-hmm. and get the stems or see the session and one-to-one watch exactly how they do things all the way yep. down in your mixing setup is just wild. To it's me. incredible. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. I always find it because it, it, there's very few people that a lot of people are younger, you mm-hmm. know, that are like, they're like mid to late twenties and they're like just young enough to all, have always kind of had it like mm-hmm. at the end of high school. Right. Mm-hmm. It, right. I didn't even get started until like 21. Mm-hmm. Oh, in music in general. Well, no, like in production. Got it. In production. Yeah. Like yeah. I was always doing music, but in the, I started getting into like Ableton and track building and I was into, I, I started with reason. Uh, mm-hmm. If you remember reason. I do. Um, I think I had a free copy of it at some point. Mm-hmm. I started, I, uh, <laughs> It was a DAW before it was a it was the first like it was kind of a DAW, but you couldn't record audio into it. Mm-hmm. You could only like do MIDI. So the first one I could remember using was Sony Acid Seven. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? <laughs> I do. It came for free with like. I, I think know, like I bought market. it, dude. Oh, really? Like from Best Buy, you know, in an actual software oh, box. Yeah, yeah. Like you used to buy software. <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah. So golly, Sony Acid. That's <laughs> like triggering something in my brain. Um yeah. <laughs> no, I got a I got a free copy from a dude at church uh mm-hmm. that had a cop extra cop extra key for propeller head reason. And cool. yeah, I kind of got started. That was the first like kind of DAW. Uh, but you couldn't mm-hmm. record audio into it at all. So no vocals, no guitars, no anything like that. You had to program everything. Right. Um, so I made a lot of backing tracks that way, right. like church backing tracks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I found out about Ableton, and that's mm-hmm. like where my like yeah revolutionary yeah deep dive went into that. Mm-hmm. It was like Ableton and Pro Tools kind of happened for me at the same time. So just like deep dive. So you started on Studio One that early. Mm-hmm. You were on Studio One. Have you always been on Studio One? Yes. Uh, so that was Studio One. Two, I think, is what Jeez. I started on. Yeah. What are we on now? Five. Five. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. What I thought. So it's been out for yeah, it's been out for a good while. Dang, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's a combination of it's hard to teach uh, old dog new tricks, <laughs> so I don't want to switch. <laughs> I mean, I feel or that. if it's don't fix what's not broken, or you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've messed around with a few other ones. Nothing ever seemed to click as easy. So yeah, stuck I mean, with it. I, yeah, I totally get that. That's how I feel with Ableton. Most people hate it. Yeah, I did not like Ableton. Yeah. I couldn't deal with the GUI. Yeah, um, I had Cubase for a little, and I, I don't know. It was just laid out funky. Whatever mm-hmm. version I was using, the way your brain works just doesn't like. Yep, Pro Tools was the same. I, I just, I don't know. I remember sitting in front of a Pro Tools computer one time. Again, can't remember what what version, but I'm like, there's got to be a way to like, um, I can't remember what I was trying to do, but I ended up having to look it up on my phone. I'm like, seriously? Like, I felt like something like that should just be like, press a button or something. <laughs> um, but that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, yeah, I, people get kind of locked into that kind of stuff, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think no, it's interesting no. because, Studio One has come so far from that. That was probably it's a lot. Probably lagging. the fastest growing DAW. Yeah, that's I know a right lot now. of people use it. A yeah, lot of people. A lot use. of people switching. We did and that whole uh, heirloom EP. 
was uh-huh. we did it all in Studio One. Yeah. yeah, it was it was really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, it's one of those things. Just different workflows, different people. I think you probably agree they all sound the same. Yeah, it's just you know what is going to work the best for how your brain works and how you like to work. I, I will say Ableton like has a sound for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, but that has more to do with the way people produce in it and not necessarily like Correct. the DAW itself. It's right. like, because everything's so sample based in Ableton, like it tends to it lean just forces towards like, you to work different. Yeah. It just tends yeah. to lean towards a certain kind of sound. But yes, as far as like your main, like, I don't even consider Ableton like a recording DAW. It's like a production DAW, right. really. So like you're Lins heavily for live use too. If yeah, I, I love it. I love yeah. it for that. But like your Studio One, Cubase, Pro Tools, Logic, um, those are like the big ones for me. And those all they they're 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 all versions of the same thing. It's all whatever, however your brain works, the best really. Correct. Um, so how did you go from, I'm into, I like recording stuff into more of like, I want to get paid to do this. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like, that's always an interesting transition. Well, (laughs) every time I would sit down to record myself, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I would just lock up and, and it's like all the memes you know where you see like someone shredding or whatever and then as soon as they hit record it's like oh, i don't know what to do <laughs> oh so that, mad red light syndrome right that was me every time i sat down so um you know i started meeting people that were musicians singers whatever mm-hmm. i'm like hey i got a microphone and you know some gear you want to record some stuff and they're like sure so yeah um I just started doing that. A lot of it was free. Uh, mm-hmm. Eventually, I'm like, hey, I could probably like charge money for this, um, <laughs> which I did. Uh, I remember my first, I think it was one of my first paid projects I did. I recorded this and, it, and it's not great, but I, <laughs> nobody's uh, first work is ever stellar. Yeah. But recorded this whole thing, drums, guitars, bass, singing, all the overdubs, all that. For like seventy five dollars, and I thought I was doing well. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, this is a fair rate, right? Yeah. Until I realized how many hours I put into it. You started outside doing of the, recording, the math. you know? Yeah. Yeah, and like, hmm, I might be making like seventy five cents an hour on this. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, kind of just turned into I didn't like doing it for myself, and I enjoyed talking to people i enjoyed working with people um and i'm like hey you know this could maybe turn into something so i kind of just kept doing that because you started producing and like recording and doing mixing stuff right Mixing. yep yep exactly uh because that was when you were in rome or was that before you were in rome no when i started actually doing it for other people and stuff that was when i was in rome okay not just doing stuff for myself rome georgia to be specific to people not rome italy (laughs) yeah that would be awesome but brandon's not that cool (laughs) (laughs) i am not (laughs) but yeah because that that was when i was i met you whenever you were you were still mixing and producing a little bit you were like leaning away from producing i was starting to lean away i think whenever i yeah, yeah, you you were you. just doing mixing and mastering, I believe, whenever I like you were starting to lean into just doing mixing and mastering, I believe. Right. And I mean, part of that came down to I didn't have a dedicated recording space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was like most people, whatever spare room you could hold hostage for yourself. Yeah. I, without... yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And without and like recording your... gear definitely wasn't to where it is now where you can kind of just be anywhere and record pretty good stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, it was there. It was just, it, it's just expensive. I didn't have money again, you know, I'm charging $75 for a whole production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't uh can't afford anything with that, right? Yeah, you, can, so, you can barely afford goldfish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Maybe some beer and pizza. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I I knew my limitations. You know, I didn't Mm. try to overinflate myself to be something I wasn't. Um, I knew I had a very modest setup, very 
very small, um, you know. So I, I try to just do a lot of like singer songwriter stuff. So it's yeah. like, uh, you know, two, three mics max. Um, and, you know, a lot you of don't in the really box need, production stuff. Yeah, you don't need a gigantic space to do this kind of stuff. Um, and I had a small room. So like, I, I don't want six people in there. You know, that's that's too much. Um, so, yeah, I did a lot of that that kind of stuff um what got me away from it was one i eventually started to not like it so much maybe maybe because i was doing this from my home it was like ah, i got random strangers coming up that i don't really know these are people i've never met before um you were so married at always, this point too right i was married too so i i kind of you know if i was single that would have been one thing mm-hmm. uh but it was like a security thing on my end it's like yeah. eh, you know i don't want to make my wife uncomfortable for sure um i, I don't want to open us up to something that you know it, you you just never know yeah um but then on top of that I, I can't tell you how many times i would book a date and this before i had a lot of business knowledge either mm-hmm. you know but i'd book a date and a time and then i'd sit there and i'd wait an hour and a half past when they were supposed to be there and they'd either be like, I'm on my way or, you know, I'm on my way. Oops, sorry, I have to cancel. I, I did that so many times before I started learning that. <laughs> you got to get deposits. deposits. <laughs> yeah, got to get deposits, baby. <laughs> and this, listeners, is why we get deposits. Because it is. I have driven four hours for us to Raleigh for a session before and had somebody cancel on me without a deposit. And I have never not gotten a deposit since then because that you, is an eight-hour round trip, and I was pissed. Somebody always ruins it for everybody. And you only have to learn the hard lesson once. (laughs) Yep, I was pissed. Luckily, the studio that booked me, because like I was just the engineer on the Mm -hmm. session, so the studio just said we'll pay you half of what they they booked. So like I ended up getting paid half, which is better than nothing. It covered your gas. It covered my gas and my food to get there, and like I didn't really not your eight hours of wasted time. Exactly. Yeah, it didn't cover my hourly. It covered my drive basically. Yeah. Um, and even, and even now, like everything I do now is remote work. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've, I've had literally one attended session the last couple years. Um, and I don't even like to do those, Yeah, but you know, it's, it's, you know, if it's a full project, like a full album, it, it's half down before work even starts. Yeah. If it's singles, it's the entire amount up before work starts you know like i said you only learn that hard lesson once and (laughs) oh for sure for sure and then you you only get screwed out of money so many times until you can't get screwed out of money anymore right right but uh, i mean money aside i've also come to learn that those that are really serious about their craft and what they're doing have no problem doing that yes those who do not care about their project or what they're trying to do they they won't do that. Yeah, they care them. They care more about the money and not than what a they're payment. actually doing. Yeah, they don't care about your time or any of that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. no that that's that's really good. The uh, so so your you you get rid of the recording side. Uh, you're yes. going to just mixing and mastering. I feel like you are the ultimate person of try everything until you find the right thing. I, I did do that. <laughs> yeah, you are. I feel like you are. You are the best, most best example of that kind of person because you try <sighs> to do the artist thing yourself, and then you went to recording, and then you started doing recording, mixing, and mastering, and then you got rid of recording, and then you I, started doing mixing and mastering, then you got rid of mixing. <laughs> dude, I don't know. I dude, I think it's part of my undiagnosed ADD. Yeah. Uh, or ADHD, yeah. uh, whichever one it is. Maybe it's both for all I know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to throw a lot of things at the wall and see what sticks. And it's it, it's outside of music, too. Yeah. <laughs> you can ask my wife. I take up a lot of different things, and most of them do not stick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cooking stuck, though. Cooking stuck and music like this stuck. Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot of things. I got a whole <laughs> box of um electronics components in my closet right now you know at one point i'm like i'm gonna build guitar pedals and then i'm like this is a lot of work for 50 (laughs) dollars so i like 
well, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, yet, I mean, I, I got some stuff from it. I learned, you know, I learned how to use multimeter. I learned how to solder, desolder, uh, mm. you know, that kind of things. And I'm um, sure that's helped you with like fixing parts for yes, your outboard yeah. gear and Absolutely. things like that. If things around the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't entirely useless, but yeah. uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, if you want to know how I just niched down into master. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to say. So let's get, yep. let's, as we're, as we're progressing, you, you moved to just mixing and mastering. What, what brought you to just cutting and just going all I, in on mastering? I think it was maybe twofold. So one, um, one I think was a lot out of necessity. It's like, okay, I'm working on music, mixing. Uh, you know, I need to get this mastered, or at least that's what I'm told. You know, that's what mm-hmm. we're all told. It has to be mastered. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, what is that? So I start, you know, asking people, which I think is the best best thing you can do is just ask people that do this. People that have preferably doing it longer than you mm-hmm. um have more experience you know see what they have to say um so yeah uh that's how that started when i started posting about that i remember having an individual tell me that's not mastering and you can't do it i said okay but <laughs> <laughs> hold my beer <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't know. So I think part of it was determination of one. I really like, I actually really liked doing it. That's why I niched down into it. I liked Mm -hmm. the fact that I could get a song in my desk and it would be off my desk, you know, within a day. Yeah. Um, You know, I could do four or five, six songs in a day. Uh, So that was cool. It was no more of this. You know, here's this, um, mix this song for a week or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, back and forth re- revisions, that kind of thing. Yeah. Are these uh, stems all correct? Are these in the right place? You have different. Do I need rates? to do editing? Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, it was just a lot of stuff I didn't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. Whereas I drop a song into a session, hit play. I'm like, sounds awesome. Let's make it sound better. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that process. And then it also occurred to me a lot of people didn't understand it and a lot of people need it mm-hmm. or at least want it. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to like just focus on this because if there's one thing, the music world is super saturated and there are a ton of people that say they do everything mm-hmm. and not nearly as many that just do one thing and do it really well. And I'm like, well... If I want to stand out in this saturated market, then I'm just going to be the guy that does that one thing really well. Mm-hmm. So I niche down into that. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's that, kind of how I got that, there. Do you, do you feel like it came with a whole host of issues like up front? Like what were your biggest issues when you first started really delving into the mastering side? Uh, clients, because I probably did it too soon. So Oof. I didn't really have a lot of people coming but i was also working the job at the time uh full time so mm-hmm. it was one of those you know what we all do uh side gig and then whatever i make on music and whatever free time i have for that yeah so yeah um yeah it was slow it was very very slow at first <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I, yeah I feel like there is something to be said for timing with that kind of thing oh for right? sure like for uh, sure like I think I, I did the same thing, right? Where it it's, I've been making this slow transition, really uh-huh. slow. You've seen me yeah. making this slow transition of yep. like doing less heavy music and doing mm-hmm. more literally anything else, really. Right, I was like, right. I like heavy music. Sure. But I am not the best at it. And I fully realize that. And so mm-hmm. there are guys that do like, and we're talking like heavy, heavy music. Right. I, I don't do that well at all i can do metalcore and i can do rock music like anything heavier than that it's like not my specialty there are guys that do way better than me on those so i'm leaning into the hip-hop and a little bit of rock and like pop side of things and i feel like if i would have made the hard switch into that i would have lost and just rejected every client i would have lost a bunch of like 
potential oh, for sure. clients and yeah, referrals sure. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff as well. Yep. Yep. And you find um, that that's kind of what happened to you. You just went full full send on the mastering thing, and pretty much, unless somebody really wanted me to mix something, and I felt comfortable doing it. Um, but like you, I'm like, well, I know people that mix country really, really well. Why would I do it if they can do it better? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, same with other stuff, pop, EDM, whatever. I'm like, well, you know, so and so does this and that. So. Um, yeah, uh, I do tell people this all the time. Like, if you're going to do something, like, I don't know, like, say you're you're like, I want to start a career mixing. Don't stop doing whatever you're doing now for money mm-hmm. too soon. Yeah. Or you're going to be so stressed out over where's my next paycheck coming from mm-hmm. when you didn't have to do that. You know, a lot of it's ego. Yeah, but it's like we have, or or we're we're just led to believe that if you're not doing music 100 full time, you're not actually a successful individual mm-hmm. in this career. Which is and which I, is a lie. That's the biggest an, lie. It's entirely untrue. Entirely. Most you people, can still do really cool projects. I was gonna say most people in the music yeah. industry don't do music full time. They do something else. They're diversified. Yeah, they they at yeah. least do it. 50% of the time, but then they yep. also do things like they have real estate investments or they yep. ha- they like own a business or, or they just have a job. Like I still have a job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That gives me health insurance, dental insurance, 401k. Mm-hmm. It's like that stuff costs a ton of money if you're self-employed. Yeah. It would take a huge chunk out of my earnings if I didn't do that. I, I keep my coffee job because it prevents me from having to pay self-employment tax in South Carolina. As long yeah. in South Carolina, as long as you have a W two on your name, you don't have to pay self-employment tax, which is like a third of your money. Yeah. So like just by working one day a week for four hours, I save myself thousands of dollars potentially yeah. tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars if it gets to that like right, you know, right, point. right. like yeah. yeah just by working for like taking four hours out of my week to go work at a coffee shop which yeah. i also enjoy and i also like like that work because i mean you do sh- you do you are you uh i still, do still in the kitchen stuff. right yeah you still do yeah. chef stuff yeah so i well, mean you meet you meet people mm-hmm. um you get out. I think it's healthy for us as individuals to get out and not be stuck in our studio all day. For sure. Um, especially, I mean, you got windows. I don't have windows in my space. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. I need, I need to see sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say just to sidebar some people that, that some people don't know about you. Cause I feel like most of the time on the internet, you'll talk about cooking stuff every now and again, but like, I do. yeah, but like, it's a huge part of your life. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing it longer than music. So, you um, and you've you've cooked for some or prepared meals for some pretty big people. Uh, yeah. So when I was at Husk Greenville, I was working at uh, Sean Brock's restaurant, Husk, mm-hmm. um, which had uh, Jonathan Buck was James Beard nominated. For those mm-hmm. who don't know, like James Beard Award is a big deal. It's like and, one of the. It's outside of a Michelin star. It's like right, the right. biggest it's thing like you can almost, get. Almost, yeah. It's like almost like getting a Grammy or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a pretty big deal. Um, and then on top of that, we had a Michelin star dinner at that restaurant. Oh, so really? I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I got to work side by side with a Michelin star chef from California. Um, design a whole menu just for that night. Well, designed the dessert just for yeah. that night. Yeah, because um, you were the dessert chef, right? Yes. Mainly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah executive pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, when uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, you know, I, we had Ted Nugent come in some one time. <laughs> uh, he came in for lunch. So <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that was cool. Um, we also had, uh, wasn't Elton John? Who was it? Uh, he served a beetle, right? Uh, yes, Paul McCartney. Yeah, when he came to Greenville, um, he, we were told he was gluten free, so I made a gluten free dessert for that. No, he's vegan. Um, maybe it was that. Whatever it was. Yeah, I think he's vegan. He's something. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I tell people I cooked for him, right? 
he never showed. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. His band showed. So there's that. That's all. I mean, he, that's he, cool. He wasn't there. Yeah, that's so. cool. You still, you still got to prepare his meal, right? Or at least his band's meal. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, Green and Greenville has enough large people come through that want to try high end stuff. That correct? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure you've you've been able to accidentally cook for a lot of cool people. Yeah, I'm sure like people that I just didn't even know were there or whatever yeah. or like, showed up when I wasn't working. But seeing I was the only pastry chef anyways, mm-hmm. if they got dessert, they had my cooking. Yeah, exactly. So that's true. I didn't even realize that I forgot that you were the only pastry I, chef. Dude, the only one. If there was 200 covers on a Saturday night, I was solely responsible for making sure <laughs> that there was enough desserts <sighs> for a 200 cover night. And then coming in Sunday morning. And recovering everything. Mm. So, yeah. That's rough. Uh, yeah, yeah. Restaurant life is, yeah, a very tough job. Yeah. But you're still, I mean, you still do that. And I feel like that's, it's to you as coffee is to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a nice reprieve mm-hmm. from having to really, because I mean, focus, uh, focusing on only music, I will say, and this is something that people don't realize until they have to do it as their job right Mm -hmm. focusing on just doing that and being in that headspace it gets really tiring really really fast like right it gets so tired even outside of just ear fatigue mentally it gets so tiring yeah there's ear fatigue there's the mental uh fatigue there's the depression from being on social media all the time Mm -hmm. and and being locked in a room by yourself yep yep so uh yeah, yeah, it's rough, and, dude. And then the comparison and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And yep. like, luckily, we have like good people online that we're friends with that, you know, mm-hmm. we can razz each other and like, you know, have fun <laughs> and stuff. But, you know, like, without that, it would kind of suck to be on the internet. I'm going to be dude, real. If I was, if I was by myself, there's no way I would have lasted this long. Yeah. Like, if I didn't have friends in this community. And I tell people all the time, the music community is, very big mm-hmm. and very, very small at the same time. Yep. It's, it doesn't take you long before you start meeting people. That's like, oh, wow, you did this and this. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um, We're in chats with people who literally work with some of the biggest record labels in the country. Dude, I, I'm doing records for a guy that was a producer on Kanye's Donda album. That's like, so it's sick. crazy. And I'm like, I, I didn't even know it. Like when I started yeah. doing the work for him, I'm like, wait, what? You worked on Donda? That's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's you wild. just never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. Well, and we're so close to Atlanta that we get a lot of that kind of world too, which is pretty cool. Right. Um. So I think the last thing we'll talk about, because we don't have a ton of time. Yeah, I got like 10 minutes. Actually, we'll save it because we're going to do another episode just talking about mastering. And I was going to ask you about your room, but I think that's better posed into talking about treatment in a mastering space and what goes cool. into that. So let's do it. Yeah, because I know you will get you will want to spend a good amount of time talking about like the full <laughs> what it went into that room. You know what I mean? So right. So part two will be uh from the time that this releases it'll probably be like a few weeks after but we're gonna do a deep dive just on mastering brandon's agreed to come back and just do a episode just on mastering and then also uh i guess we'll talk just about mastering specifically and what it went into your room so Mm -hmm. i think for the last question i'm actually gonna say what are some of the biggest issues that you find and mixes consistently. Mm. Uh, too much high end is pretty common. Okay. Like around the either super, like a ton of sibilance around 10K, uh, 5 and 6K, that kind of thing. Okay. I haven't been able to uh, figure out why. I don't know if it's because high end. If it's untreated rooms, so high end often sounds really smeary. That kind is of thing. This a, is this a genre specific thing generally, or is this kind it of across be. the board? It, it's generally across the board. Okay. Um, and then uh, also low end issues are always something you know, either undefined low end, not enough, too much, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, 
everybody struggles with. I would, I would have, I would have, I would have said, thought that over compression on the master bus would have been more of an issue. That's not something I have dealt with a whole lot on my end. Really? No. Interesting. Every, Every once in a while, but maybe it's just because I generally tell people, um, you know, if the mix sounds really good with the mix bus processing, go ahead and send it. Mm-hmm. But if you're super unsure, just go ahead and just send me without it. And if there's an issue, we'll talk about it. That's, so, that's really smart. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're probably you're I was say you're probably negating some issues. I maybe yeah by, by having by having that because uh, yeah I would I would I know I would always go a little bit too hot on the on uh-huh. the two bus. On the two bus, but uh, if you were doing aggressive music, that's part of that. Yeah, and you probably saw a lot more aggressive music styles than what I see. Yes, that that is true, and yeah, people people overbake their stuff. Correct, in, in especially that in metal. Of, yeah, in that like deathcore heavier stuff, yeah. like it's really easy to overbake your overbake your two bus. One hundred percent. Well, Brandon, I know you got ahead. I will. Uh, we'll we'll plan another time for you to yeah. come back and do a part reconvene two and, and we'll, do this again yeah we'll do it again uh thanks so much for hanging out today thanks so much listeners for yeah. listening uh brandon where can they find you on socials do a socials plug real quick oh boy uh i'm on facebook and yeah. instagram um you know type my name in you should be able to find me what's your uh, instagram handle if you know off the top of your head uh i think it's still house <laughs> mastering Gotcha. So if you type that in, you'll find it. Um, and then also my website, stillhousemastering.com. Uh, so yeah, look me up, friend me. Uh, maybe if you do friend me, send me a message. Say, hey, I saw you on the podcast because I think I got like six or 700 friend requests I haven't responded to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, send me a message first. But uh, yeah. yeah, if you enjoyed yeah. it, yeah, like, follow. That Hop kind of in Brandon's DMs, hit up stillhousemastering.com and check out his work. And uh Brandon's a dope dude, so he's always down to talk. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, dude, of course, glad to have you. We will see you guys later. Yep. Peace.